get into gate episode 218, talking Stargate Atlantis, the Get Into Gate team here. Mitch, Maddie, and Brendan. Yo. What's doing? Hello. Uh, look, it's gonna. It, it sounds pretty good, but it's gonna sound a little different. Maddie and I in the studio. Buddy Brendan, he's at home. He's caught the seti drip, and uh, he's just at home, <laughs> just rubbing some sweet lotion on that bad boy. It's a deep, deep burn. <laughs> I mean, normally it's we'd be happy to rub the lotion in ourselves for you. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah, you know what are you gonna what do? What are you gonna do? What are you going to do? I know it hit us last minute too, so uh, that's right. Hey, we're making do because we wanted to talk some gate. And this uh, this real critical episode, um, you know, last week we said, hey, Dang. it's a lot, lot of weir, a lot more weir, different weir, some action yeah. weir. And Brennan's like, F- me if I'm going to miss out on this, boys, you dial me in. I want to talk. <laughs> uh, and also welcome uh, to uh, to Maddie's uh, own uh, brought-in weir, uh, Brendan, who mm. you can see on the screens uh, that we've got there, just a little uh, little, little oh, weir. Oh, gross. <laughs> It's <laughs> come to join us. All She's holding a P90 as well. All, uh, all six inches of her. Um, oh. say, say no more. Yeah. All right. The long goodbye. Let's have a look. An energy beam hits Weir, allowing her to harbour the consciousness of Phoebus. Shepard agrees to harbour her husband's consciousness so they can communicate one last time. She has tricked them. They were enemies. The team must find a way to stop them before they destroy before they destroy each other and Atlantis. Written by Damien Kindler Kindler, directed by Andy Makita, this one. And uh yeah. Weir goes rogue. Well, it's fun. You had it's to, fun. No, you it's, had to enjoy hey, this one. No, I know? I enjoyed it and to, like as it went along, the the one thing that it did for me is the first timer that I really did appreciate was that I legitimately didn't know how it was going to end because mm. of the way that they'd set it up. I don't think the writers did either. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Damien. Um, obviously, we knew that there was a point where we were just going to be able to wait it out, but Phoebus Weir was putting herself in a situation that wasn't going to allow the rest of the expedition mm. and the team members to allow that to happen. We just didn't have the time to wait it out, so I like. Like that, and then you know you get to that moment. Not you know, not to skip straight to it, but where um, Taylor is faced with having to shoot Shepard just to kill the consciousness within him, but kill his his actual body. I'm like, gee, this is a little bit of a pickle here. So mm. yeah, I was a bit sort of lost as it went along. Going okay, so we're just watching two people that. I mean, there was a moment there when they come uh, out, you know, they, they finally admitted what they were and they weren't hiding that anymore. They are chasing each other around and still kind of keeping up the thing. Oh, yeah, we're a husband and wife almost. Like, you know, but then it was like, no, we're enemies and it's, oh, we're, there's the war and then we're warring peoples. And I'm like, what is, and I don't know ne- what never to- really. Yeah, they never really filled in those gaps of what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. I was why a- did they pretend they were husband and wife? Why did they kiss? And then why did they try to kill each other? Yeah. Like, surely we're, okay, so Phoebus get, jumps into Weir. I mean, it wasn't her doing. It was the computers, as far as we're led to believe, right? Yeah. And then they go, hey, we've brought someone else in. And she goes, oh, that's my husband. It, John, do you, is it all right if, you know, you, t- like, why not just kill the body? You know, like, why not find a way? Pretend you're Weir for a little while, walk around, come in afterwards and unhook, you know, the, the life support yeah. or something. I've, like- got, I've got three and a half words <laughs> that will help you guys immeasurably mm-hmm. in your enjoyment of this episode. <coughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, I that- thought you were going to say Robert C. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I like this episode. It's fun. You don't get to it's, see it's weird. It's weird. There's too many plot holes. For me, it's like the start of it is like Holiday in SG-1. Holiday 2.0, you know, where Michello 
comes to Earth and gets Daniel gets zapped and they swap bodies. That's mm. what I thought was happening mm. before mm. the first ad break. Yeah, and well, that's not a plot hole. That's just your assumptions. No, well, that's my, that was my first note. <laughs> the long the plot holes for me were, yeah, like Mitch said, he she could have just walked in there and just stabbed him immediately. I think fine. I think it's we we don't know how long like they could have been doing this for centuries like that old lady I'm assuming wasn't even Phoebus's first body like she's gone through a few at this right. point that, that's my thing they've been doing this for hundreds of years mm. the the war that they were fighting is long gone so for me at this point it's they're not looking for a final victory. They're looking for a moral victory. And and Phoebus does have a couple of moments there. It's like she just wants to see that look of defeat in Thalen's face. Like mm. I think they've been doing this so long. They're both fucking psychos. Yeah, they've lost what makes all you perspective. Think just from a, what a f- makes you think it's not her first body? Well, just because they they the way they've been talking about it and like there's no. Like we don't. I mean, we don't know because there's there's no time for us to investigate sort of the planet where we found them or anything like that because we're all kind of locked on the base. But what's they talk about, you know, it's it's a it's a, a, a war that's been over for for however long. Like, it just, to me, it feels like it's almost like a, a choose-your-own-adventure. Like, you can decide whether that, you know, whether they've been going for 100 years or 1,000 years or, like, we don't know even know how long they were in stasis. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I get that bit, but, like, when they say that the imprint is temporary... Yeah. I don't see how she could jump to another body. Or you think that the pods... Oh, that's that's a fair point, I guess. Yeah. Strange the pod keep pumping out her, her <laughs> mind into other people. Yeah. Strangely, that would actually make it more... Not believable for me, but like I was just picturing the idea that this old... You know, because I just assume that an old person is going to be a little bit more wise and not as mm. not as gung-ho sort of thing. Like the idea that this old woman, hey, she gets a new body to play around. She's like, yeah, your people will never win this war. And I'm like, bro, you're like 80. Like, you know, couldn't, couldn't, uh, haven't you reached the point where you're just like, war is pointless. Like, why do we even do this? Like, even she said, you know, we, I, I got the feeling it was almost a more pathetic climax not pathetic in, a, in like this episode or the character but just like the the backstory of the war between these two nations than we experienced on what was the shitty planet that um of the civil war a couple of weeks ago on sg1 where the prometheus got blowed up oh um, icon place icon yeah icon planet like Te- that Te- Tegalus? yeah like they were having this stupid civil war that both knew was bad and that would admit in their own circles we don't even know why we're doing this but we are and well as long as we win and and then it will be over if, if we we end it, then it will. Then we'll be fine. Yeah, it we, we just make any logical sense. Whereas these, we don't get much of a backstory, so we can't blame the backstory. But maybe that's what you know. Brennan was saying before. We don't get to find out all the little bits and pieces along the way that would justify why these two were just like we might be the last two people of our respective planets, nations, whatever. And it doesn't matter that we might have been floating around in space for a thousand years because even they don't know that. They're just like, hey, we've gotten a chance now to be the one to kill the final person on, on the other side. And you know what? Yeah, as long as I get to have that. And I'm like, oh, f- it just like I get it. It's a long goodbye. It just seems... It's Long-winded so, goodbye. Yeah, it's just so pointless. <laughs> even the point, she couldn't just lock him in a room and watch him be the first one to fall back into being shepherd. Even though you know he was, he came to second. You know, she so by rights she should have died first within Weir's body, but like, wouldn't that have been just as satisfying? Like, oh, I don't know. It just it it just seemed like such a pointless 
war that they were having that they were continuing on without even knowing how the rest of their people, whether they survived, whether they died off, whether the war had ended, whether they'd come together peacefully. Like they were just like, where? Well, where- I mean, yeah, I, th- I think maybe uh, maybe some flashbacks could have helped in this episode in terms of how did how did the two of them get into those pods at the end? Like mm. obviously they, yeah, you know, there had to be something. Whether it was like you know they were both fighting on a ship or something like that and it was a self-destruct and they're the last two that got it. Like, yeah, it would have been nice to have a little even bit more just some, backstory. Even just a line on that, like, uh, the the pods say 1,200 years since you've been in stasis. Yeah. But like, that would be enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess I got I got a little bit of a like a warrior style thing, like a like a samurai type style thing, yeah. where it's like you need to earn the win. They want one of them wanted to earn the win, mm. and it's like there's there's that much hatred between them that it's like no no I'm not just going to take it by default. I want to see the look of defeat in your eyes, and yeah. it, and you know weird does well Phoebus does see that uh, say that, and I don't know I just I I kind of. I liked it. it was, no, I don't. I don't, I don't mind as it rolls on. I just, I think, yeah, that that line that you guys were just mentioning that if we get like a twelve hundred years or something, that I, I think that puts more weight onto how far gone those respective cultures were. That even though they've been in stasis mm. for twelve hundred years, they were on the verge of one killing the other. Yeah. So they don't know it's done by this point. It's been ended for probably a millennium. And yet they're still willing to spend their last hour, last six hours alive in another person's body, still fighting it out. And and only through speaking about it. Yeah. Now it reminds me of those stories or that one story of that that soldier that came out of hiding in like what the mid to late eighties and he was a soldier from World oh, War Two. Yeah. And he had been living in the jungle for like forty years. Yeah, wow. He went into there like... Didn't know the war was finished. Didn't know the war was finished. Like, he come out, he's an old man, and people oh, like... That's just an episode of Archer. You're, you're confused, <laughs> that's an episode of Archer. You know, we've found... You know, we're, we're, we're okay now. Like, you know, hey, we're, we've got a great trade going on between mm. our two nations. We've got this going on. You know, everything's everything's fine, but these guys have been hiding out, and it would have been like that guy coming into mm. an American civilization or something. You know, he's, he's a Japanese soldier, but gets brought to America for some reason, and then just starts wanting to, you know, kill people that used to be the enemy or something yeah. like that would just be just as um, as ridiculous. But well, um, I, I feel it for for me in the Stargate universe, we where we've seen so very many petty races around. Like if you think about like Jonas's people, yeah, like and those warring factions in there, I would buy that if if this episode we found out that those that that Thalen and Phoebus were actually two people from Jonas's planet, mm. I would buy it because <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, petty yeah. pieces of shit. So it's like <laughs> we've seen that kind of uh, personality type, you know, in Stargate before. So I guess that's why I never sort of bumped into the idea that, you know, they would be enlightened enough to sort of realise that, oh, fuck, whatever we've done, has this war has destroyed both our peoples yeah. and we're the only ones left. Yeah, and I was kind of disappointed that, like, because the, the, the show opens and uh, we get past the um, previously on and we get the uh, jumper just zooming through space nothing around yeah. it's just them zooming through and i'm like god i love the isolation that they, those sort of shots give you like you're in the middle of nowhere there's nothing around but then when they see the pods and you get that last shot before uh, it cuts back to the base um and then near a planet i'm like oh that's that's cool but i just think it would be so much more it would be so much scarier so much sadder if in the middle of open wild dead space they found two pods 
floating yeah. close enough next to each other because it's like how long have they been out there and they're in the middle of absolutely no- they had just as they had more chances of not being found for another hundred thousand years than they were of being found by a rogue puddle jumper on its way back to Atlantis and yet they still get woken up and they still want to spend a couple of hours trying to be the last one standing mm. and it's just like a sad yeah. ending to these two people probably these two did cultures they even, did they even say why they were there, the puddle, as in the puddle jumper. Was it next to a gate? We didn't see a gate. Mm. No, I don't. I, well, no, back, we, the, that opening scene was just them talking about Jeopardy, wasn't it? Oh, so, yeah, talking yeah, about TV, TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just came through a space gate, were doing like a loop around the planet before they were going in and, and found the pods or something. Mm. Yeah, they didn't even say that. It was strange. And then, because I was like, hang on, is this above... The Atlantis planet for a second. I actually thought oh. that because there's no lines or anything to say otherwise. Because yeah. I thought, yeah, like Mitch said, that I thought they were just in the vastness of space. That would have been way cooler mm. to see just two pods floating out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Just some wreckage or something that's floating around. Yeah, I just felt that this episode was t- just so silly on too many levels to count. First of all, okay, let's say we're obviously got taken over by the mind thing so she's she can't be the leader of the base anymore like usually when you have an alien inside you yeah even if even if you're cohabitating which they weren't Shepard definitely shouldn't have been the second person to put his hands up for that just because she asked like mm. he's in charge of the base now yeah 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 and but then so they... for him to go in there and then not even have a clear chain of command moving forward well, was Colonel outrageous Caldwell. yeah but Caldwell should have been the guy to take it into the brain you reckon well the in in a weird way i would have actually preferred the husband wife scenario instead of the enemy scenario because i thought it was just a cheap trick to get weir and shepherd to kiss so the audience would be like "Ooh, la 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 yeah well, no i That's i sexy. you got you got to remember this is this is 2006 mr and mrs smith came out in 2005 yeah so for me it's just a it's just a direct rip-off way of them to be able to do mr and mrs smith Mm. so yeah i get it but maybe have the two pods there at the same time then instead of you making bad decisions as a collective so if you're opening the two pods and weir and shepherd just happen to be standing there i agree that would have been better i i agree yeah and then i could be like oh fine i'm fine with all of this yeah but because they made a specific decision john can you please volunteer to be a part of this and he's like "Ah, i don't want to but she's like come on john and they're like yeah come on in a way especially because that wasn't we're speaking (laughs) that was phoebus speaking so the idea if she had full access to Weir's memories, she's identifying the most likely person to be able to kill her, as opposed to picking the bloke who's there. That's you know, cl- you know, he, the 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 guy yeah, who's she's, on. She's not picking Zelenka. Yeah, the guy's like, on custard duty yeah. in the kitchen or something. It's like, why not pick that guy that's got no military experience, like every week going on missions or whatever? Why pick the the highest ranked? military operative, you know, the guy that's going out leading these missions as the one that you're going to try and kill? Or was it part of the hunt for her? And then I guess on that, a touch later, she's there firing a machine gun at him. So she's firing live bullets intent to kill. Yeah, He's firing back at her with 
a blaster of some description, seemingly on stun. Oh, yeah, that's the new Wraith Stunner. Right, that's and the, so I'm like, is that the only stunner. thing that he could get his hands on? But, you know, it, it was like almost that he didn't have as much intent to kill her as what she wanted to def- absolutely yeah. bring him down. But then even just on that with the, with the kiss thing, why did they... Why yeah, did they kiss? Because I, I think I... I've forgotten about that since, because, again, first timer, I'm like, oh, they're kissing, and it was like, hey, we just want the room. Now you're not going to have a room. Okay, we're just going to, oh, they get right into each other. But both of those people at that moment, independent of the audience who thought that was a real thing, those two people knew that they weren't married to those people, right? It wasn't like... Well, that, that's, what I, that's what I think. I think it's a choose-your-own-adventure. I mm-hmm. think if it's a Mr. and Mrs. Smith knockoff, yeah. perhaps at one point they were married. Maybe they were both undercover agents for... Either side of yeah. their of their respective sides. Yeah. No, but we said he's not my husband. When? He's not my husband. Well, um, just after um, Rodney shot at Shepherd, and then she, and then we came back in the room and was saying, you know, what she she goes, he's not my husband. Oh, I don't remember that part. Even just the I'll setup, like up. when they when they first revealed themselves to not be this you know, married couple that were just wanting to make out one last time. They're like, oh, where where are the guards? Put one guard out. Oh, no, we, you know what? Put two guards. They already do, one on each end. And they sort of looked at each other like, okay, but you Game go on. take out that one, I'll go take out this one, and then we'll come back and, what, try and kill each other? Why not? I don't know. It just seemed like they blew their one chance or their first chance to... You know, put a put hands around the neck and try to strangle the life out of someone. But, it, but it's a game; they're enjoying it. Yeah, it's they that they, they don't they they want to you know go mono a mono and defeat the other person. They're not trying, mm. they don't want to like oh okay it's it's not like they they do want to kill. I was about to say they don't want to kill the other person. They do, but it's like they want to be the one to do it. It's yeah. it's a hunt. Mm. It's a cat and mouse. It's a game. They're yeah. enjoying it. It's 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 no fun if the other person can't fight back. Yeah. And I guess then we, Phoebus was just reduced to the end of it going, oh, well, you know what? In the, Come the end, if I go to kill this guy, people are going to take me down. So she asked Taylor to do it and I'll just watch. You know, as long as I actually yeah. get to see it and he knows that I'm the one encouraging this, this woman on Atlantis to pull the trigger, then, well, that's just as satisfying for me because I've probably got an hour left before I'm gone as well. But you need some very serious marriage counsel. He's not my husband. He's the enemy. Drop your weapon. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why I was like, hang on, what? <laughs> so why did they kiss? Yeah, I just don't know why they kissed. It was... That's I... what I mean. I would have preferred the... Even if it was more cerebral mm. storyline, less action, if it was more like... Whoa, 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 whoa. Did Brennan just ask for more cerebral, less action? I think that's a first. I'm not Reese. <laughs> He's wearing a Gibson but Brothers T-shirt right now, but that's where it begins that. and ends. Like we 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 see them, you know, they they know that they've only got a few hours together. You know what their life will be, or or even if they were enemies, trying to work it out instead of trying to. It just seemed too petty to care. For me, it just seemed unreasonably petty, especially when you're taking. Well, into, yeah account someone else's body and if you have her memories then you should know how important atlantis is to the rest of the galaxy but yeah but she's also like you just said incredibly petty like i i believe and know that she's incredibly petty that they're they're both that petty that they're they're willing to fight to the last tooth and nail just for this pointless moral victory but that that, that's the point that's obviously what they were doing but yeah the plot holes and everything that happened prior to that i was just like 
This doesn't make sense. Why is Shepard the one doing it? But, and then why did Taylor lose to Weir? Just because Weir had this fighting knowledge, like Weir doesn't work out as hard as Taylor. Taylor should have been able to whip her. Well, she got stunned from behind, right? Didn't um, Shepard shot her? Like she, I think she was right, ready to get. Um, we took out an entire tactical team. Remember, she took out. Yeah, I know. She took out. Well, you know, they're not as cool as that Taylor. That was awesome. They, and they weren't expecting that. Yeah. Angelorn's <laughs> teams, like SG11, they're not very good. Have, she what, did take that, like, as far about, as. Just, what about Kill Bill, where there's, like, the, the guy that's training the bride is, like, 400 years old with, yeah. with white hair and the longest goatee ever? He's a frail old man, and he was able to kick the bride's ass. It's knowledge. No, he wasn't frail. But All he was right. fucking 400 years old, like. If it doesn't, no, I reckon if, let's say, um, Jason Momoa swapped places in my body, do you reckon he'd be able to do 100 push-ups still? No. <laughs> yeah, but a, <laughs> it doesn't a, matter a how push-up mentally. is different to, to actual martial arts. Like they, yeah, but you still need if, to put if, in a lot of force If there, If there was a, a four-foot-tall guy that knew mm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I guarantee you he'd be able to fuck me up. Yeah, I guarantee you. Even though I'd oh, yeah. be, I'd be twice his size, twice his weight. Mm. But they weren't doing jujitsu. It's a, it's an example. I'm just saying she was able to counter, move, swing, move, bang, 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 bang. Like I don't yeah, there was. I think there was a lot of surprise yeah, ta- in that. Um, uh, Taylor's way better than her. And, and Taylor's and way better than we are, but she's obviously not better than Phoebus. I but, she, but she didn't Phoebus get taken down by Phoebus, though. Did she, like she was in the fire, she was ready to take no, down Phoebus. Right. Yeah, and I then just, and Shepard, thought... yeah, Shepard got her from behind. That's but then right. I was really yeah. wanting her to explain that because when uh, Caldwell's back in the room communicating to Taylor, and he's like, hey, "She's where is she? I'm on the hunt for Weir. I know where she is. Okay, we'll send back up. She's I can take Weir. It's fine." Mm. And then she gets surprised <laughs> by Shepard, and then when That's she right, comes yeah. to, she buzzes back to Caldwell and go, "I was unable to take down Weir." And I'm like, "Yeah, but say why? It's it's not that Weir." Like beat you one on one. Like I want you to clear that up right now. Don't wait until mm. later. Like yeah. there's going to be yeah, a lot yeah. of explaining later. But Taylor, I believe that you could have you could have done that. So it was kind of good that they threw Taylor into a situation based on what we know about Taylor. We don't know enough about Phoebus, but but just based purely on what we know about Taylor, she should be able to take down. Yeah, I was hoping anyone for really that, that, that comes along. Moment. Okay, but so, remember how Taylor almost lost to that little tiny redhead back in the storm in the eye <sighs> when they had their knife fight. Like, oh, yeah. you know, Taylor doesn't have superhuman... Aside from the pilot episode, Taylor doesn't have any superhuman abilities. Yeah. <laughs> She's just a good fighter. She's got some rare so, DNA. And don't get me wrong, I would have loved to have seen a long extended fight of Taylor and Phoebus going at it. I think that would... Like, in the same way mm. we've seen um, Taylor do the training sequences with both Ronan and... Yeah. Shepherd, yeah. I would have loved it. Even the even the the moment that I mean, in the commentary they call it the born identity moment, and that's 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 a big step to call mm. it that. But like the <laughs> the moment where the moment where Phoebus takes down that security team, yeah, that could have been twice as long. I didn't mind. Me. Yeah, I didn't. I mind loved that. that. I yeah, didn't just mind that, my, they were sh- shocked. I think more than anything. Yeah, my, just my favorite part, and I think I shared it on Twitter maybe last year or something like that. Someone actually did a. It was like a weird fan video to. Um, to a song and that's my favourite one is just where like just the shot where the soldier puts his arm on Phoebus' shoulder and Phoebus just kind of turns and looks down at the shoulder like I just <laughs> f-ing love that shot yeah. so much because you just know like she's about to wreck shot yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's always a good cue did you cue. say the director was Mitch? Uh, Makita that was interesting like the, they've done that before between towers and stuff but he had a lot of moving 
angles and camera movements in there. Yeah. 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 I think maybe one of the things you're picking up on is this was very... This show was really all over the place in terms of the shooting schedule. So, basically, they had three week, uh, three days of primary photography, and then the rest of it was filmed over months. Like, it was mm. just pickup shots. Because, obviously, a lot of it was, yeah, like the, the travel you're talking about and just lots of individual scenes. So, it's just like... They, they filmed as much as they could in three days, and then everything else was just pick up. So it's like, oh, ta- um, Rachel's well. got two free hours. Mm. Go and lie down in front of that door, and we're going to have the door almost closed on your head. Mm. Okay, cool. <laughs> and we're going to add to that episode, you know. So yeah. it, did, it did take them months and months and months to um, film this episode, yeah. just in little chunks here and there, here and there, here and there. Well, it, it, it feels like an episode of TV that would have been shot in... 2021 like post-covid like we've still got all these Mm. restrictions we can only have so many people on set at all times so a lot of shows and it'll it'll go to show when we go to binge a show that started in 2019 and goes and through until 2024 or something we're going to have a midpoint a mid-season season three or something in there where it is just going to aesthetically look a lot different whether it's just in the storyline where they have to write the fact that none of these characters are together but this would have been a perfect episode for them to have written in a post-COVID time, yeah, because it made sense. Like she, she sections up. They put all the 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 non-essential um, personnel into a room. We don't ever have to see them. At the end, they're under threat by Weir Phoebus, who wants to um, incinerate them. But Weir's by herself. Shepard, for the most part, is by himself. Taylor, for the most part, is by herself. You really only needed Caldwell and uh, and Rodney there in that scene back in the uh, in in the operations, and a couple of people in the background. But other than that, you didn't need a lot of people in this episode. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, you could have, you could. So it does make sense you saying that that they they are able to piece it together, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and it would have, yeah, it, it would look like a lot of TV shows over the last couple of years would look like. I yeah. think if we go and compare them, yeah. I did love the uh, you mentioned just then. I did love actually love the the Caldwell McKay scene where like yeah. McKay's trying to just be like, well, shouldn't I'm like the next senior like after Weir and Shepard. I, I'm the most next senior person, right? So shouldn't I yeah. be in charge of the base? Shouldn't you be running these things by me, Corbell? And he's like, sit the f*** down. Yeah. <laughs> Just sit down. <laughs> this is my one you. chance. <laughs> and in some way, I know Brendan said before about uh, it would have been cool to have seen Caldwell take on the, the consciousness. And I guess that's what the, the previously on probably would have supported that, the idea that he was under the control of a gould for so long and that wasn't his choosing whereas this one he would have Mm. chosen to have done something similar for a much better much nicer reason only for it to work against him again because otherwise the previously one was just about hey Caldwell did this and it wasn't his fault and then we get reintroduced to him in this episode him feeling guilty about it them saying hey bro wasn't your doing don't worry about it and then it was mostly dropped until towards the end where it's like, Rodney, don't you trust me? No, well, I do, but I'm not going to prove it, you know? And then that was kind of it. So it would have been interesting. I don't know where that would have gone to, but the idea that the previous one was like, hey, Caldwell had this happen. He feels really bad about it. Now here's the rest of the episode, and it's not going to affect it too much except for a throwaway gag from Rodney. Well, I I think I think it's twofold. For me, it's this is the episode where where we're introduced to the kinder friendlier Caldwell. This is because we don't know how long that he's been a a Mm. Gould. So this is us as an audience meeting nice Caldwell. Mm. And then I guess the, the the twofold of that is if it had been the other way around, do we do we really care about an episode of 
Weir and Caldwell running around making out and yeah. shooting each other? Or do we want to see the two main stars of the show doing it? Yeah. And we know that Shepard mm. doesn't stay in quarantine zones. Mm. So it's like if he was the one <laughs> stuck in uh, in um, the, the what, do they, what do they call it? Stargate Operations? Yeah. What, whatever that room is where the, the uh, their version of the gate room or whatever it is. Yeah. You know um, that Shepard wouldn't have stayed there to command everything. He would have grabbed a P90 and run, and he would have been shooting at the both of them anyway. Yeah. He's yeah. he's an action guy. He's not a stand-in-the-command-center-and-give-orders guy, whereas Caldwell is. Yeah. So I think it was the- Caldwell the, does a, has a good dark side to his acting as well. Mm, which, yeah. Uh, Pelegli, is it Pelegli? Yeah. Pele- uh, Pelegi. And, and yeah. he when he you found out that he was a ghoul, it was only like a, a minute or two where he could use that. Yeah, I think yeah. this would have been a nicer episode for him to use it. Yeah. Um, Even, I guess... the three of them could be going at it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Opposite yeah. to what I said of having him in there, maybe you keep the way that it was in this episode, Shepard v. Weir, Caldwell in control of the base, but maybe him going... Like, to, to justify what they ended up making the previously on, which, mm. I guess, when you're writing an episode, you're not writing what you're going to remind people of uh, when it's all cut together. Mm. But to justify that, Maybe have him make some harsher decisions other than okaying Taylor to, you know, well, he didn't even okay. He said, Taylor, I'm, I'm, I'm wiping my hands of this. I want to control every decision yeah. on this base. <laughs> Taylor, what you have to maybe shoot Shepard? I'm not going to tell you what to do. That's mm. your doing. I'm not, I'm not getting called marshaled over this shit. So maybe have him, because he was taken over by another entity, another being that he didn't um, permit to make bad decisions uh, within his body have him make some harsher calls to try and protect Weir or trying to protect Shepard or to try and end their threat sooner than what he might have allowed had that Gould thing not happened. Mm. Um, yeah, there might have been a good moment at the end where, like, you know, because Weir was, well, uh, Phoebus was going through that whole Halon fire suppression system, redirecting it. That was a bit of a stretch for me. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. But I was like, yeah, maybe there could have been a cool moment where it's like McKay can stop it, but the only way to stop it is to redirect it to Weir. So mm. it's like, you know, Caldwell would have had to have chosen between saving the entire expedition or killing Weir yeah. with Phoebus in control or something like that. That might have been fun. But I, I did like that they gave him a moment where, like, Rodney's yelling, doing his normal sort of over-the-top shit, and Caldwell goes, "You re- remember how I said no to this thing the whole time? Like, I didn't... <laughs> I actually thought this was a whole lot, a bad idea from the start. And Rodney's like, you are... Right, you know, <laughs> yes, like, you did. <laughs> that's why to me, I think it it crossed all the all the eyes and all the T's. Like, I know you have issues with a lot of it, but it's all, for me, it's also like, well, you know, as as you say, you know, Weir's run by her emotions. She, so she was just like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you know, she was because she did fake them out at one point by you know pretending that she was really weird, like that Phoebus was able to sort of sit in the background. And we was able to come out and go, mm. no, no, she's she's genuine. She's absolutely genuine. Like, pull that that sort of fake Gua'uld style, yeah. you know, nothing of the mm. host survives cut thing aside. Yeah, that was really well done because, mm. I mean, we don't know the, the power that these consciousnesses have over the body, so... Are they able? You know, is the is the real person able to take over at any yeah. point? Is it and very? It's very simple transition. So, Tori Higginson acting as Phoebus, acting as Weir, mm. was convincing that it was just Weir. Yeah. There was no that sort of middle character. And I there. think, and I think if if Weir had or Phoebus had tried to pull that at the SGC in front of like O'Neill or mm. Carter or Jackson, they'd be like, yeah. "Get fucked." Yeah. We've yeah. seen we've seen Enough this dog it. and pony show before, yeah. but it was set up 
you know, last week or whatever it was, like when when Caldwell was it was revealed to be a Gould. Shepard has no idea what a Gould is. He's yeah. had no experience with it. He doesn't know the telltale signs or anything like that. So I think that's why he also bought fake Weir. Yeah. Um, saying, no, it's really me. Please, John, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I- apart from when Caldwell had it in him. Yeah, I yeah, but, it, but like you said, it was experience. it was about eight seconds worth of um yeah of you know seeing an actual melodramatic glowy eyed ghouls <laughs> before he was taken yeah. down. Well, so. on on that, I felt like they did Ronan really dirty by I, I was waiting for like it was all part of his plan or something because he then says to yeah, Taylor, he "Hey, dumb. He hey dumb I'm going to go after Shepard." She's the way he goes because I know the way he thinks. I don't know, have any idea how Weir thinks, mm. so I can't adapt to that. But I can adjust whether or not I think it's Shepard because I know him and I know the way that he thinks. And if it's any different than that, then I'm, I know it's going to be this other this other consciousness. Runs into Shepard and he's like, "It's me." He goes, "Yeah, fair enough. Here's a gun." You know, like, or, or, or I'll take the gun, but I'll, I'll work with you. And I'm like, "Ah, oh, no, it's all part of this. Is all." part of the plan it's all fine and the end he just ends up on his ass looking up at Shepard shot going oh so it's not you he's like no you fucking idiot and then just walks out on him and I'm like oh so there was no redemption moment for Ronan to go no I didn't get suckered in the very first second that I got mm, like I just yeah. I felt really like again first time watcher and you guys have said to me for a lot of it they don't give Ronan a lot to do that's truly Ronan. He's either just reacting to other people's things or he's doing the exact same thing that everyone else is doing. And then every, what, fourth episode of the ongoing seasons, they give a real Ronan episode. Yeah, and there's, he slits someone's throat. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> great moment. They go, hey, you killed a potential rapist. And then the episode goes, he he was wrong for doing that because murder is bad. And you're like, okay, well, I just thought he finally got to do something on mm. his own and now you're telling me it's wrong. And then they give him something to do here where he's going to get a moment to truly go, I'm part of this team. I know my teammates. I can tell the difference when no one else... No, I'm on the ground and I've been shot and then I'm in the ICU for the rest of the episode. Like, I don't know. I just felt like they did him really dirty. And again, Mm. there's another three and a half seasons with this bloke, granted that he's there at the end of season five. I don't know. So there's a lot more time for him to give what he's, you know, I guess in hindsight, now that we know who Jason Momoa becomes, um, a little bit more uh, credit. But at the moment, I'm just feeling like they done him dirty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do think, like, you know, there's there's better ways to like I I just enjoy it as just a popcorn episode. Like I just mm. sit there and just enjoy seeing, you know, people doing things you wouldn't normally see them do. But I think yeah, from a story point of view, there's better ways to do this if you're not just trying to rip off a Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie film. Mm. Like yeah, I would have maybe maybe the team went to a planet. Weir was there because insert a reason or whatever, and it's like. Weir and Shepard still get taken over by these two, but they're actually working together mm. and Taylor and Ronan have to hunt yeah. Shepard and Weir with these personalities taken over that are actually, in a lot of ways, very equal to what they can do. Yeah, That would be really, really fun because then you get to see these pairs doing some really badass stuff and just doing cool shit, yeah. you know, and, and you know, mm. fighting against each other and, and tricking each other and setting up traps and all that kind of stuff. Mm. That could have been a really fun way to do things. <laughs> it would have made more sense on a planet because there was a... And that would have been great because there was an episode a couple of weeks ago, you know, where you said, oh, the coloured people were not to be seen in this episode. <laughs> so to then give them their entire episode, like we would have had mm. the main cast there, but it would have been half of them versus the other half. So it would have given Taylor and Ronan a little bit more ownership uh, on the story. But um, there was that moment where 
Phoebus and Taylor have taken off in opposite directions and everyone's hunting out for them. And uh, Taylor says, no, we can track them. Was it Taylor or, or Ronan? So whoever it was said, we can track them. Just let us do it. And I'm like, cool. I don't see them like making footprints in the dirt. Mm. You can tell that that was made two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. They haven't brushed past a tree and broken we're, a branch. We're like, in a city with life sign detectors. Like <laughs> yeah. this is the this is the cleanest place you might ever no. ever go for the rest of your life. The city of Atlantis. Like mm. anything that you can see. If there's a box that has been knocked over in a hallway. Old mate from, you know, Team 2, he can see that. You know, like, Zelenka would be able to tell if a door's been left open where it yeah. should have been locked. Like, the, the the line, the justification they gave those two characters, which, hey, we can track them down. I'm like, I know that you can, but not here. That's got We've got sensors for that. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're, I can see him on my phone, Ronan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Ronan, there's an app for that at the moment. And then to go, okay, yeah. good, go off and do the thing that only you can do and then have him written off for the rest of the episode because he made a critical mistake straight yeah. away. I just thought, eh, damn, yeah. you done him dirty. I feel like all of these potholes could have been prevented by and made it a much better episode if they opened the pods at the same time because you 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 you're not getting that decision making as a team that they needed to have to cause this scenario. Yeah. Basically everyone in that scenario fucked up except probably we're yeah, it or not. I, I think they were and maybe they were maybe stuck on the idea of them having that moment in the pod, like that that character building moment in the pod talking about Jeopardy and TV and stuff like that. Because if you think about it that was awesome. I, yeah, I love that. But then they encounter the first pod, and it's like, even in my brain, I was like, oh, is that pod even going to fit in the back of the jumper? Yeah. Like, yeah, I was yeah. pushing that, let alone them trying to fit two pods at once in the jumper. So I, I think that's why they kind of got bogged down and went, oh, we'll pick up the first pod, take it back home, and then the person inside the pod's going to say, oh, there's another one out there. Yeah. But yeah, if they'd been maybe <laughs> on the Daedalus and encountered both pods at the same time yeah. and maybe the show yeah. took place of everyone running around on the, on, Daedalus. On the Daedalus and then Caldwell taking control of the Daedalus going hey this is my ship not just like yeah. well sure you're the next military so guy true, but you know, know I'm a you and know that gives him reason to actually be in this episode yeah, yeah. and then like the idea that I wear and Shepard they know everything there is to know about this city and I'm like I, there were moments where Weir's going up messing with like the engineering of the city and I'm like I don't necessarily think that she would know that mm, and that no, she like realizes how to get this, this <laughs> the, these pipes and if I do this with these cables and it'll reroute these computers I'm like she's not a computer genius you know she's not a structural engineer if you put them on the Daedalus and they're just kind of working with what's in front of them Shepard would know what he's looking at for the most part Weir doesn't know what she's looking at for the most part maybe she's got some access cards to get her places that maybe John doesn't, but John yeah. knows weaponry or something uh, like that. But even further, sorry, to the if they're still at floating around, take the Daedalus away and they still have to come back and get them. Uh, which I think if they would have actually been in coffin-sized pods, they could have easily fit two on the jumper. Yeah, sure. So the idea that they made them... Like, yeah. yeah, they only made them big so that they couldn't bring the two back, which then we're saying maybe that would have been a better idea. But the idea that... They could only take one, and how oh, hey, we sent the other um, team and the other puddle jumper out to pick it up. Ronan and Taylor went with them to find it. I'm like, again, 
if they were on a planet and they go, hey, this is where we walk to. See, there's that big tree. We couldn't have told you that when we were back at the base. They were floating in space. This thing has been floating through space for 500 years, mm. 2,000 years. We don't know. So what do they do? Go back to like the rough coordinates of where they picked up the other one and go... Well, this looks like the same type of space that we were in before. We're, we're off. We, you know, we're we're in partial <laughs> see, orbit of that we, giant uh, planet, and I can see like a billion stars out there. The I swear gate. it was like right here. We came through the gate. We spoke for about forty-seven seconds uh, <laughs> about TV. Um, I'm not sure what speed John was doing, but if you could be doing the same speed as John yep. while we're right. talking, Don't that'll get us to about it's on that. My phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, the what if you know, just just drop if, a pin the first time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I felt like because Carson told everybody that it was a temporary thing, mm. or it like he confirmed. What we said, it was temporary. Yeah. That lost some of the peril in the episode as well. I feel like if they opened at the same time, he wouldn't have been able to have time to to realise this or at least, you know, pick up on that it is temporary and there would have been more peril. And yeah. then I would have been on board with the entire episode. Yeah, yeah no, I, right, I, would, so- I would agree with that. Yeah, knowing that it's temporary from the start, I think was their way of trying to add, like, a ticking clock. Mm. But, you know, like a lot of it was, it was just like... We'll just wait them out. We'll yeah. just we'll just wait them out, and then this whole thing won't matter. But then it became well, they can do a lot of damage knowing that it's temporary. But I think yeah, if they were just you know play fighting as normal for the first half of it, and then you know maybe the end of the second act or something like that is when you know Caldwell maybe drops you know and says to them, well, guess what? We've just discovered it's only temporary. So you guys, you know, we're yeah. just. And that's when Phoebus goes like full crazy mm. and then starts, yeah. you know, doing her, you know, Hail Mary kind of shit with the Hail on Fire Suppressor and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't understand yeah. that because it kind of ties in the Hail on Suppressor stuff um, going into the life support, even though we're not in space. This is something that we spoke about last week, I think, when. Like, we were just throwing, like Mitch mentioned it, I believe, and we just said, well, they just opened a window. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, it is a spaceship. And I, I guess I guess in the same way, like, in a, in a car, like, we have life control, but they call it, like, climate control, you <laughs> know, and stuff like yeah. that. So I think that's all. I think Atlantis, you know, when it's, you know, not in space just has a fancy version of climate control. Like, I mean, obviously there would be a lot of areas under the city where you would have to have big air vents and stuff. Like in the same way a big building has air vents yeah. to get to the underside, yeah, you would have to have some way to, to push oxygen. I don't think it's necessarily generating oxygen right now. It's just like sucking it from outside and, and pushing it inside. Um, yeah, that's true. But yeah. Because that seems like a really waste a lot of power. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No yeah, no. Reason. I think like if you go into like a, a you know a, a, a an office building like a you know really high a, a tall city building, it technically has life support, mm. but they don't call it that. You know, yeah. it's just you know just the air. It's fucking John McClane. He was crawling around in the life support of yeah. <laughs> Nakatomi <laughs> Tower. You know. So it's just it's I think it's yeah they just kind of got bogged down into um, feeling like they needed to use sci-fi terms. Mm. Yeah, when it was just the it was just the air vents, but yeah, I think um, from what I understand of Halon, it's an oxygen retardant. In that, yeah, I think they said something about that in case of fire. Yeah, so if you if you pump Halon into a room, it 
like it air oxygen, air runs yeah. no air runs away from it. Air it, it's like air can't exist in the same space as halon. Mm. So if you put if if you're putting halon around a flame, that flame suddenly has no oxygen around it. Yeah. So that's that's sort of what it was. It's like, well, okay, if you pump halon into a room that has humans in it, there's going to be no oxygen for them to breathe because the the oxygen is getting pushed away elsewhere. You think the ancients would have had a better system? Well, no, they they said it was the humans that uh, that put in they they put in the the halon fire suppression system uh, uh, as a, as a new thing, and that. yeah, the irony being that we had you know questions about it, and then mm. Phoebus was actually ended up using that to try and kill everybody. And just Interesting. on the idea that putting this all, basing this all on the Daedalus might have fixed up a couple of problems, mm. that too would have worked better. Like the idea, when, well, they, they're, they're still down, they exist within an atmosphere and, you know, whether you crack a window or not or people could, you know, there would have been the chance of them, I know that you get all locked in a room, but they could have just, you know, been out on a balcony somewhere, out on the... Out on the um, you know, the port, basically, on the water, waiting yeah. this out. Whereas if you're on the Daedalus, you know, you're stuck on there. That's, ac- that's actual life support, you yeah. know. Yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. a box in space yeah. with, like, with artificial air. Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Smith meets the first alien film sort of thing. Yeah. It's like we're stuck in this box that no one understands and two people are hunting each other and then eventually they're going to come for us and then maybe bring in the idea that you guys was um, brought up before. What if there was no ticking clock uh, I, yeah. I think I think it works both ways for the moment where Taylor is holding that gun because when you know that there is a ticking clock, you're like, she doesn't have to kill him. He's going to die anyway. You don't have to do it. Yeah. But then if you don't know there's a ticking clock, there's every chance that Weir stays Phoebus and gets away a different way because mm. she's blackmailing the city, but she wants Taylor to kill Shepard to kill Talon inside him. You know, I think I think yeah, that works both ways. But yeah, yeah you put it on the. Uh, you know, it just feels like we're going okay. Here's the six parts of this episode. If you just change five of them, this episode's great. Yeah. Like, and we're all going to agree <laughs> on it. But as at its like, I agree. I I would probably and I I watched this in about six different parts. It was the worst yeah. time to try and watch this episode before uh, before coming in to do the pod. And uh, I probably need to sit back and go, okay, forty minutes uninterrupted. Let's just go and just let it play out because yeah, yeah. there was such a fun element to it. It was just a few things along yeah. the way that I think yeah, I think yeah, they they're not trying to. I don't think there was much social commentary about, you know, the perils of war and, and like, I don't think we were really supposed to learn anything about, you know, in Phoebus and Thalen. We were supposed to go, oh, geez, maybe we shouldn't be so focused on things and blah, blah, blah. I don't think there was any of that. I think yeah. it's literally just, if you go into this episode going, hey, sci-fi stuff happens and then we're making our own Mr. and Mrs. Smith, mm. you'll just have fun. Yeah. You'll just have fun watching yeah. it. But, yeah, when you sort of sort of look closely at it, you go, yeah, that's... That, they could have done that better. They could have done that better. They could have, you know, spent some more time. But obviously, that would have been an episode that they would have needed the full, you know, full time to film as yeah. opposed to, you know, three days of primary photography and then bits and pieces here. And I think also it could have... I mean, maybe it was originally designed to be on the Prometheus, but the Prometheus also has the bridge and, like, one corridor. Mm. Like, it's one, like... Uh, uh, it's, like, shaped as, like, a figure eight. Yeah. That's all the set they have. Yeah. So I, I understand them going. Well, it's Daedalus, probably yeah. it's probably going to be more interesting for us to film on Atlantis instead because we've got way bigger sets, we've got more stuff, and we can you know make it look much more yeah. interesting. If they had you know a more substantial Daedalus set, yeah. then because the Prometheus and the Daedalus, that's the same set. They literally mm. just take that thing behind the captain's chair 
and turn it 90 degrees. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the difference between the two bridges. Yeah. And I think that's why they... Makes so much more space. Yeah. And I, I think that might have been why so they... just activities. I think that might have been why they destroyed the Prometheus. They just got sick of turning that thing 90 <laughs> degrees. They're like, if we just we just leave it there. It's damaging the floor, guys. Well, yeah. you say that... Deadless class. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm yet to feel the size of Atlantis as a first time mm. viewer and I know that you know it, it, the outside of it is all completely CGI we're getting physical sets but the outside of it obviously is is computer generated but we do get those cool shots that Brendan mentioned where it's like hey this is going on here you know out of a window out of the wall you know it turns sort of 45 degrees and speeds through the city a little bit goes past three different towers and then goes in through a wall of another tower and then you just see someone walking down a staircase and I'm like oh this looks like the same staircase that's over there now of course the the, the ancients designing Atlantis they're probably going to aesthetically wise make everything look very similar but I'm like I don't I don't know that I feel that that is that far away like yeah. that to me and I look I I don't think they do a better job of that going forward like mm. I don't think there's many extra set pieces you will see in the next sort of three and a half seasons yeah. that expand it that much more. Yeah. You I'm know? just thinking, like you said, the Prometheus, like they're, they're set for the, the the Prometheus and the Daedalus. They don't have a lot to work with. I feel like some of the sets mm. that are there for Atlantis, you know, t- you turn a few things upside down, maybe boost the lights a little bit and, and paint a wall. You could just go, eh, that's the Daedalus. That's just the, the engine room you've never yeah, seen true. before. Because it is the whole, that whole, uh, the Blade Trinity set. That's that's what they oh, film yeah. on. Yeah, it's all the it's all the Blade Trinity stuff. So yeah, yeah. you're right. They could I sort of feel play like, around a bit. I feel like they should. They really established that, or they tried to establish that in early in, or late in season one with the Eye and the Storm. Do you remember how Shepard had to kind of run a couple of kilometers to the edge of the pier? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, fair electric. call. But I mean, but that I guess you could calculate that based on average fit person's running speed and yeah. distance. Mm. Um, but it's. I think that's the best they ever do with it. Yeah, and okay. I think, I think we say something about the size of Manhattan, but I think that's just a fan thing or someone, yeah, a character mentioned it in passing or something like that. Yeah, if Rodney's like, oh, that'd be like uh, finding whatever we need to find searching, would be like searching yeah. every room in Manhattan. Right. Doesn't yeah. mean that Atlantis is anywhere as big as Manhattan. It's just big. But, Which it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, we know it's not. Yeah. We know that it fits inside of a certain thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Say. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of expanding sets, like, you do see, like, there's a cool, like, stairwell that gets introduced in maybe season three, and there's a couple of good, like, extension shots where, like, you you see two people, like, sitting in a certain point, and it's mm. just them in front of a set, and then it pulls out, and there's, like, a CGI extension, and you actually see them sort of sitting on part of the city and stuff yeah, like right. that. So I think that'll give you a little bit better sense of size, but, in again, that's all just CG. In terms mm. of physical sets, they don't really add a lot more to Atlantis than what we've seen. It's, yeah, right. In the same way, like, you know... We go to the the commissary a couple of times on Atlantis. It's just the gate room with the gate removed, you yeah. know, and they put a fake wall in and, and stuff like that. So it's all just changing around the existing set, mm. pretty much. Um, I did have a couple of bits and pieces though for you. I think it's we found a new gold mine just in terms of whenever there's an audio commentary of a uh, episode featuring uh, Colonel Caldwell. It's interesting that probably most people don't know that Mitch is only three feet high and shot and forced perspective. <laughs> he sells it well though. <laughs> Mini Mitch. Yeah. It's always fun with Mitch. Yeah. Mitch is adorable, yeah. 
Oh, we're keeping that one for the board, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, 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 Mitch. Mitch. I had to have a, I had a poker night with his wife. Mm-hmm. A girl's poker night a couple of weeks ago. Mitch is a great guy. Oh, I love him. Really good person. He's, he's fun to have around. Yeah. Huge heart. Very, very funny. Very sweet. And a good actor. Oh, Jesus, guys. Huge heart. Stop Huge it. Heart. It was my birthday week ago. You said all these wonderful <laughs> things about me. And who knew that we played poker with your wife? Yeah. Oh, Sarah. She's an absolute fiend at Texas Hold'em, mate. <laughs> Jesus. There's a joke about her holding something of yours, but I'm not going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Too easy. Low, low-hanging fruit, would yeah. you believe? Well, mm. my, uh, my wedding anniversary also the other day, the uh, May the 4th, since National mm. Star Wars Day. Unsurprisingly, I came to work dressed in my full Jedi garb. Excellent. And, uh, and Lincoln calls me in the morning, hey, happy anniversary. And, uh, and then later on the conversation, he says, I've always heard this. I know roughly what it means, but, you know, what's... What, double entendre? Like, what is what? Like, what does that actually mean? Because I've always heard, I just figured it out in context, blah blah blah. And I'm like, how do I? Other than double meaning, how do I explain? Mm, like a, I, more a sexual double meaning. Yeah, and I said, right. You know, before when you called up and the first thing you said was happy anniversary, and I said, yes. Well, I'm dressed as a Jedi, so I'm definitely suited for the occasion. And, and you said, wow, you're gonna definitely get your lightsaber out tonight. I'm like, that's a double entendre, because <laughs> obviously I was gonna get my lightsaber out because I'm dressed as a Jedi, and also <laughs> you were assuming I was gonna get my dick out and get some anniversary sex. So there you go, you've actually educated yourself. So excellent. There we go. So did yeah. you get your anniversary sex? Oh, don't, <laughs> don't, don't kiss and tell. <laughs> you got your dick out whether Sarah was there or not. <laughs> she was involved in some ha- parts. It doesn't have to be sexual. It's just it's meant to be two interpretations of the same sentence. Yeah. 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 But, you know, if you can make it sexual, mm. I mean. That's, that's, God, a, yeah, that's a successful the best one. Do not miss an opportunity. Yeah. Mm. I guess the only other thing, because I get in trouble if I don't bring up Trivia. Oh. Um, the the title of the episode, The Long Goodbye, a lot mm. of the trivia says it's a reference to a Raymond Chandler novel from 1954. The only thing it has in common with that is the name. Right. Like, the, the plot has nothing to do with it. And obviously, the you know, they call it in this episode The Long Goodbye because Thalen and... Uh, Phoebus have been saying goodbye for a long time yeah. because they've been at war for so long. Mm-hmm. And probably would have made more sense if they had have been married and it would have been the long goodbye yeah. between a married couple. And there is, there is also an episode of The Next Generation in like season one or two called The Long Goodbye. Right. But I don't really... Season oh, one, boy. Season one, <laughs> The Next Generation's trash. So it's not going to really talk about it in polite circles. Yeah. That's what. Hey, we just got to sneak it in there, but that's okay. Mm. That's okay. You can check out Maddie's Trek Talk over on Get Into Geek, <laughs> uh. making it so... Uh... And then I did notice it's it's yet another um, connection where it's another episode, like it's another weir episode that features a white-haired old lady. <laughs> that's two now. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, you know, uh, Phoebus's old body wasn't mazzing all over the place for <laughs> 10,000 years. I was almost but... waiting that. When, they, when the, um, the, the coffin the pod uh, opened up and it was an old lady I was waiting for them to go it's another weird like you know (laughs) we're just doing this again and she's had another double out there like that would have been kind of cool as well just like she's went back in time that many times there's just a bunch of her just floating out there (laughs) on different missions I did like the comedic ending they played where it's like um, Shepard and Weir like in their hospital beds which apparently was an homage to Duet when you had McKay and Cadman Uh, after they'd sort of been sharing the body and all that kind of stuff Uh, but the way kind of Weir just kind of sings down in her bed when when Caldwell's just like well I've got a lot of paper (laughs) 
paperwork to <laughs> yeah. write, especially involving that kiss. Uh, I just in my head just then when we we're talking about the old the old uh, the old lady in the in the pod, I'm like, I feel like we could have made Brendan's head explode if like the end of the episode was actually just a repeat from uh, last season, and we had Phoebus's body cremated as well and let it go <laughs> in the urn over the balcony. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that, that, been good. that might have made Brennan's head explode. Well, she plays, I touch myself. <laughs> um, she plays it in. As she's fingering the ashes. <laughs> I touch myself. <laughs> There's a double entendre. Hey. She's, she's touching the ashes. So, yeah. uh, That'll do us for episode 218 of Get Into Gate. Back next week to talk uh, The Scourge. Mm. Episode 17 cool. of season 9 of SG1. And for all hey, the jokes I, um, that we've made about bugs go, in the past. Yes, sir. I asked ChatGPT to write a joke about the long goodbye. Oh, good. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right, here we go. Why did McKay refuse to leave, leave Shepard's side during the events of the long goodbye? episode of Stargate Atlantis because he knew that good friends don't say goodbye they say gate you later <laughs> what the like hell fucking dad bot <laughs> I mean that's a new level surely I'm not even going to dig a fight first of all he did he wasn't near him anyway the entire episode that, what the fuck is that talking about that makes chopper iPhone sound like a Ricky Gervais joke in comparison <laughs> <laughs> yeah so again, wow. for this segment, send us your joke, yeah. any joke you have about Stargate, and uh, we'll probably say it on the podcast. That does make me feel a little bit more comfortable that you know AI isn't going to take over the human race. Anytime. Like if they yeah. can't even you know write a good joke, yeah. then um, I think we're safe. For Do now. we program that into into it, saying, "Hey, you can only take over when you start mm. le- when you learn humor." Yeah, and because and yeah. because you know humor is. Um, it's different for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's open to interpretation. Yeah. It'll never maybe, quite get maybe there. Maybe you need to feed it a transcript of like every Ricky Gervais set ever done and then ask <laughs> it to tell you a joke. But then again, doesn't chat GPT, isn't it like I can't tell rude jokes or jokes that are offensive to uh, particular groups of people and stuff like that? So Yeah, well, that's what you say, well, the politically yeah, incorrect jokes you can't mm. do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or you can say write a joke in the style of Ricky Gervais. Right. It might Ooh. make it a bit raunchy, but not necessarily have rude words in it. Yeah. So it'd, so it'd be like, why didn't McKay stay next to Shepard during the whole thing? Because he had AIDS. That's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's in the, in the style of Ricky Gervais. <laughs> I think you're saying the style of Brendan Gibson. <laughs> well, yeah. Brendan Gibson is in the style of Ricky Gervais. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll see what we can do with the scourge. If there's any jokes to be had on that one, mm. that doesn't all have to do with uh, Robert C. Cooper and bugs. Quite literally, next week. But we'll talk about that when we talk about episode 219, the scourge. Until then, yeah, just check out the back catalogue of Gate guys. Go back mm. through, have a look. Don't Ugh. forget to jump on YouTube as well and uh, put your, your submissions in for uh, Box of Shame. Yes, Box of Shame. yeah, episode yeah. 100, I've right? Couple I've seen. Oh, have you? I, I I haven't looked. Yeah. So I'm not looking. So yeah, uh, yeah follow yeah. follow our YouTube channel. Uh, jump onto the hundredth episode special episode uh, and pop in your um, suggestions for Box of Shame. And if you uh, don't want to have a long goodbye, but a quick hello, perhaps, on our Patreon. You know, if, you've, if you're not doing that and you want to do it, you want to jump on board. Uh, <laughs> I, I, look, I had nice, a quick actually. hello this morning, actually. Oh, I bet you did, hey? Just, hey? A, just a quick hello. Yeah. <laughs> just before I jumped in the shower. That's yeah. why you came in hot this morning. <laughs> We're going to have a long goodbye once we hang up here. Oh, <laughs> hello. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Get into geek. Get into geek. 
get into Gate Stargate podcast. Get into it now before it's too late.